Hello, my name is Jeremy Loya, and if you are listening to this recording, you're likely one of my close friends, but in case you happen to pawn it in a different uh, way, I'd just like to give a little background on me, um, what these series of recordings are going to be about, and um, yeah, just to kind of give a little bit of context. But I guess I've been on a bit of a, what they like to call a spiritual journey, quote unquote, uh, for the last year and a half, really my whole life, but uh, consciously for the last year and a half. Um, and there have been a lot of insights that have come up throughout this process, and I've been really blessed to have had a lot of really deep and profound experiences. Um, and it seems at this point in the journey, I'm being guided towards sharing about some of those experiences and sharing some of those insights and um, with uh, hope that they'll be helpful um, sort of signposts for other people that uh, are coming along a similar similar way. Um, so with that said, uh, what I feel at this point my mission or purpose um, is in this lifetime, in this form, um, has become more and more clear to me over the last year and a half. Um, and if I had to summarize it, it would be um, essentially coming to know and explore the very foundational questions of what I am and what reality is. Um, it seems to be, that seems to be my function within this uh, large system and life that we're all living, uh, is for me to really understand what I am um, at a very core level and what reality is at a very core level, um, and then to share and help others um, come to those, uh, come to sort of some levels of truth and understanding around those very deep foundational questions themselves, and then figure out how to use that newfound knowledge and that newfound paradigm to shape the way they live their life. Um, so essentially what I'm talking about here is a spiritual awakening, if you've heard that term before. Um, and I'll, I'll go into a little bit more about what that really means. Um, or another way to put it is sort of coming into um, deeper and higher uh, stages of consciousness. Um, so if you've heard those terms before, that's sort of generally what this is going to be about. Um, I've also, just throughout my life, had a passion for building things, building products. Um, I've had uh, a stint as an entrepreneur recently, starting a couple small um, businesses related to uh, te education technology and more recently transformation technology, which is basically technology that um, doesn't just help people learn, but helps people actually transform and grow, which is two very different things. Um, so I also have a feeling that is sort of going to play into my mission as well, is uh, figuring out how we can actually build and utilize technology um, to actually raise our consciousness um, in, in contrast to the way it seems to be usually used in today's world, which is a way to actually lower our consciousness and um, kind of take our abilities to focus and attentiveness away. Um, so with that said, I'd like to kind of start off not with my most recent spiritual journey, but sort of my overall story, um, just to kind of help people understand the theme here and uh, to put some larger context to these things. 
Um, I think in many ways, uh, everyone's got a sort of theme to their life. It doesn't always become clear as you go through it, but um, as you move through different stages of growth, it kind of becomes more and more clear what your sort of theme is. Um, my theme kind of presented itself very early in my life um, and was was always something that uh, most people around me didn't seem to be able to relate to um, and it made me feel quite different from other people. Um, there was definitely a feeling of being very different um, in some ways alone as a result and uh, there was also always a hesitancy and there's still a hesitancy now to even share about this because <laughs> there's frankly very few people that um, I think people have similar stories, but you know everyone's got their own thing. Um, so my thing seemed to be especially strange to me, at least. <laughs> so there was a hesitancy to really share much about it, but um, I'm going to do so anyway because I think that uh, the more I go through this journey, I the more I realize there are many people who share similar experiences, and even if they're not exactly the same, um, there are themes that they can take away and. And apply to their own journeys and their own lives. So um, I guess this theme presented itself to me consciously probably, I really don't even remember the exact age and time to be frank, but uh, somewhere around the age of 10 years old um, I had my first, uh, I, I used to call them panic attacks. Uh, so they would always present themselves just in between sort of the waking and sleeping stages so um, for most of my life it was right before I'd fall asleep so um, laying in bed about to shift into the dream state and just before that there's sort of this little gap um, there's actually a, I think a scientific name for it but I completely forgot what that is but uh, just before you move into the thinking from, from your thinking mind as you're laying in bed into the dream state there's this little gap that you have where there really aren't many thoughts. It's sort of this little space um, of no mind. And in that space, um, you can experience these altered states of consciousness. And that's sort of what was happening for me. Um, I, of course, I didn't really understand it that way at the time. <laughs> but uh, now I can see that that's what was happening. And uh, unfortunately, these altered states of consciousness, for me, created a lot of pain and confusion um, because there would basically be, it would start with sort of this thought spiral usually about the coming day. Um, so there was this thought spiral thinking, oh man, I really don't want to go to school tomorrow. I'm really not looking forward to it. I have such and such class or such and such teacher. It's not going to be fun and just sort of just dreading the next day. And those thoughts would then spiral to the next level would be like, um, you know, well, what's the point of school anyways? Why don't other people, why don't parents have to go to school? Um, how come just I have to go to school? And then it would actually go into a further level, which may be surprising for uh, someone who's in the 10 year old range to be thinking of, but it would kind of spiral into a sense of the purpose of life. And what is, like, what's the purpose of anything? Why do we do anything in this life? Um, is life really meaningless? Is, is life really meaningless? And then it got to the stage of death. Um, and I think part of this could be because I did have sort of a, a near-death experience um, when I was around eight or so. 
Um, I also had had some, some grandparent, a grandparent pass away, uh, which sort of was one of my first major confrontations with death. Um, but there was this knowingness that, that whatever I was, or whatever I thought I was, was going to cease to exist one day. And we all have this knowing of death intellectually, but the true awareness of death is a very different experience. And that's why I think you find a lot of people, um, you know, until they get that terminal diagnosis, they don't really start making major, they don't really start panicking or, or making major changes in their thinking until that happens because it doesn't really become real for them. But for, for whatever reason, it became very real for me in those moments. And there was a very real sense of, I am going to die one day. Not only am I going to die, but I am going to completely cease to exist. The lights are just going to turn off. And not only that, I will not exist forever. It'll just turn off the switch and time will move on for an eternity. And there was this sort of sensing of time moving on for not just thousands of years, not just hundreds of thousands of years, but millions of years, billions of years, trillions of years, everything moving on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm not there to experience any of it. I just, it's not like I'm going to come back a trillion years from now. It's like this really, this comprehension and awareness of forever and eternity and the mind trying to sort of wrap its head around and understand and experience what eternity really means. And just, just in that moment, there would sort of be this click off where there wasn't, there wasn't any thoughts really anymore about it. It turned into a very profound and very visceral experience of eternity. Um, and really this experience of eternity was m one of the most terror <laughs> feelings. I can laugh about it now, but in the moment it wasn't very funny, I can tell you. Um, it was one of the most terrifying experiences I think that's possible to, exp and I, I don't say this lightly, I really feel like it's one of the most terrifying experiences that is actually possible to experience as a human. Um, because it's not the death of a loved one, it's not um, a hatred or a resentment, it's, it's something that basically in that moment everything just turns to dust. Um, every person you've ever met, um, every person you've ever loved, um, every hope and dream that you had for yourself, every cherished memory that you have, it all just gets reduced to zero in this awareness of eternity. Um, eternity just crushes <laughs> everything uh, because, and I mean, I, I tend to explain this mathematically, but that's not how it was experienced in that moment. But if you think about, if you are an analytical type of person like myself, um, and somewhat of a dork as well, you know that any number over infinity is zero. And I felt like this was the physical experience of that mathematical expression, is that everything just becomes nothing. Everything just collapses into nothing in the wake of eternity. And uh, in these moments, the expression of it was, me curling up into fetal position, pulling my hair, screaming into my pillow, um, just doing anything to move this awareness away from um, this experience. And I would 
jump out of bed, splash my face, do whatever it took to just go away. And honestly, it would really only come up for probably five, 10 seconds at a time. Um, so it wasn't something that would last a very long period. And uh, over time, I got better and better at very quickly uh, snapping out of this terrifying experience. But, um, but the problem was it wasn't really just these momentary experiences, which would probably happen, I don't know, depending on what was going on in my life at the time, probably once, once every few weeks, once a month, twice a month, something like that. Um, is how often that they would happen. But it was really representative of something that was deeper down inside of me. And it sort of put this wake and this shadow over everything else that I would experience in my life. Um, so throughout all these very normal childhood types of experiences and through, through into adulthood of being on sports teams, playing basketball, playing video games, skateboarding, um, and then later on, going to college, drinking, playing beer pong, doing all the things that, you know, you do in my, at least in my culture, in my, uh, in my little, little world. Um, and then later on, moving into the work world, working in the corporate world, doing startups. There was always like throughout my whole life, um, there was sort of this whisper like behind my ear of like, this isn't real. Um, this is meaningless. Um, there's no point to anything and um, it was really it really put this shadow um, over everything else that would happen and uh, to be honest most people probably would have never realized because I did a really good job um, of coping with it and for the most part outside of the first maybe 20 minutes of my day um, I wouldn't really think about it that much and it was sort of just looming in the background a little bit but then every morning when I'd wake up and have this sort of quieter state of mind, it would come back. And it was very hard for me to get out of bed most mornings, I would say. Um, I really had to develop very strict kind of discipline with myself to, as soon as I, got, as soon as I woke up, I would sort of train myself to really like jump out of bed and um, immediately do uh, some, either some physical exercise, meditation, journaling. I had very kind of structured habits to compensate for basically this sense of meaninglessness and depression and fear of death and uh, eternity awareness, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was all basically to compensate for that. Um, and over time, I think what I realized was that it wasn't just those few habits in the morning that were meant to compensate for this um, sort of depression, anxiety, and awareness. It was really, in some ways, everything that I was doing in my life. Um, even the things that seem like they would be very healthy and productive. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful that I found relatively healthy ways to avoid this pain as opposed to the ways that many people do, which end up being in, ending in drug addictions, alcohol addictions, and um, all sorts of very negative expressions. Luckily, my coping mechanisms were relatively healthy and involved a lot of exercise, meditation, journaling, um, you know, basically becoming a little bit of a workaholic, um, trying to be somebody who was, very, who was seen as being very successful, 
Um, and even in relationships, I realize a lot of being in relationships were a way for me to avoid this pain as well. Um, so basically, that was sort of represented this sort of big stage I had in my life, um, probably from the ages of, say, 22 to, um, I don't know, 26 or 27, where I had set a lot of goals for myself. And I was, you know, reading personal development, <laughs> personal development books like it was my job, um, trying to implement as many of these habits into my life as I could. And um, I remember at one point, um, I think when I was about 22, I started this, uh, this sort of thing with, my, with one friend and then eventually became many friends. I think we called it like, eventually called it like goal hacker or something like that. But we each basically put all these different principles that we wanted to live our lives by in a, in a, in a sort of a Google Doc. And then we made uh, very specific goals for ourselves for basically for the year in all five categories that we define for life. So financial goals, career goals, um, goals around personal and spiritual development, goals around relationships, goals around physical fitness, um, career, finances, all that kind of stuff. And then we also had uh, kind of weekly and daily habits that we wanted to implement, which would also, which would all be in service to these sort of higher principles that we wanted to live by. And um, I remember one day, and we went through different phases of being more, we kept to it pretty strictly at certain points, and then we'd fall off of it and come back and that whole thing. But um, I remember looking back at that goal sheet one day, uh, probably about four years later, and realizing, and I, I called up my, my friend, uh, I don't know if he even remembers this, but it's, it's Corey, for those who know Corey. And I, I realized that I had achieved, to some extent, most of the goals that I had set and most of the intentions that I had set in that spreadsheet. Um, I had moved to a city. I moved from D.C. to San Francisco. Um, I didn't even know, San Francisco wasn't even on my map at the time, but I had envisioned a place that I wanted to live being um, surrounded by people that have that are love nature and are interested in spirituality and meditation and um, are into entrepreneurship and I wanted to live by the water and all this kind of stuff and it literally I, I opened my eyes in that moment and realized whoa I'm living in this place that I had kind of <laughs> had in my mind um, I had started my own business which wasn't wildly successful by any means but it kind of did the trick in the sense that it, it allowed me to um, escape, you know, having a boss and um, working on something that wasn't in alignment with my passion and um, was able to, um, you know, wake up and basically work on what I wanted to work on that day um, with that, and while being able to support myself. Um, and then I was also in a relationship at the time with someone that I loved very much. Um, I had developed a lot of my physical fitness habits that I wanted to, basically all these kind of external goals that I had set. Um, not that they were all perfected by any means, but uh, for the most part I was like, wow, I really checked quite a lot of these boxes here. And uh, I kind of just checked in with myself. And I asked a very simple question, which was, am I really that much happier right now? And when I reflect on that question, 
the answer was yes. I am a bit happier now, but there was also a very deep still sense of a very deep still sense of discontentment. And uh, these panic attacks, while coming up much less often, were still coming up. And um, even if they weren't full-blown panic attacks, they would still be sort of a a sense of that meaninglessness popping up. And um, I think that was one of the first points where I realized, hey, <laughs> maybe optimizing my life um, and optimizing my habits and achieving all of these things that I think are, that I read in all these books that are supposed to make you happy, maybe that's not really going to make me happy. And um, maybe it works for other people, I don't know. But, but uh, this was one of the first insights that I had into sort of this very profound uh, humbleness, very humbling thought that, holy fuck, maybe I really don't fucking know what makes me happy. Wow, that's a very, like, wow, like how, like it was just, it was just I mean, not to be self-deprecating, but there was a sense of, wow, I, maybe I'm really stupid. <laughs> maybe I really, I really thought that all these things, and I, and I read tons of books on positive psychology and all these things. I was like, this is what's supposed to make you happy. Like, this has got to be the formula. And I was like, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. I, I could figure this whole happiness thing out and, and implement it. And that's kind of when I went off and did. And then in the end, I got to say, it really didn't move the needle for me that much, um, or not nearly as much as I expected it to. Um, it definitely helped, so I don't want to minimize that. I think that there were a lot of um, lessons I learned throughout that process. And, I, and looking back, I think it very much was a stage I had to go through of being able to learn that I can, I can create the things that I want in my life and, and realize that I am empowered to do so. And, um, and I think, so I think that there were a lot of valuable lessons in that, in the, knowing that I have the ability to create uh, the things that I want in my life. But then along with that lesson, there was sort of a second part that I didn't expect, which was maybe the things that I think I want to create in my life aren't really the things that will create sort of this long-term happiness that I'm looking for. Um, and even the word happiness isn't even the wrong, isn't even the right word. And, and when, I, when I think about what I really wanted, it was really more of a sense of peace. Um, it was more of a sense of contentment. It was more of a sense of completeness, a sense of wholeness. And when I had this image in my mind of what I wanted when I was 22, it was basically this image um, the most part that I had been told <laughs> would make me happy, uh, which was basically this image of, of me uh, living in an awesome apartment in a cool city with a great girlfriend and uh, having my own business and having good relationships with my friends and family and all that kind of stuff in order. Um, that, that was sort of what I had been sold. Um, and I don't want to say that those things aren't important because they are. In some ways, they might have been necessary for the next phase to unfold. But um, at the same time, in this moment, there was this next image, which had nothing to do with any of those things. This next image of happiness 
really had to do, like the image that would pop in my head was sort of me being towards the end of my life and um, almost being on my deathbed, so to speak, and just having people I loved around me and just having this very kind of soft smile on my face. Um, and I just, I just really had this very image of this very particular facial expression <laughs> that I would have with this kind of like this soft smile that just said, like, I'm content, like, I'm ready, like, I'm ready to die. I have come to peace with death. I have come to peace with life. I have, um, you know, felt like I've put what I wanted to put into this lifetime. And I have come to peace with my, my, like, what this whole thing we call reality is, what this whole thing we call life is, and my role in it. Um, and it's really that kind of soft smile, that image of that, that uh, I think was the propulsion of the next phase of my journey, which was very different. Um, but anyways, I think we've gotten, I've been ranting here for 25 minutes, and I'm still getting used to hearing my own voice here. <laughs> so I think I'll cut this off for now. Um, but before I do, and I, I, I will do plan to make more of these kind of recordings, um, I wanted to kind of leave, leave people with some things to think about in their own life and uh, understand, maybe just take a, a moment here during this recording uh, to reflect on what are the things that you think will make you happy. What is that idea, what is that image of, your, of yourself that you feel is going to bring you what you really want to want what you really want to desire and when you have that image of your head um, and you have maybe a few thoughts on what that is um, I would just reflect on that and um, just question it. It doesn't mean you have to give it up by any means. Um, in, in, in some ways it very much might be the thing you need to go after, but I think it's also very worth questioning and uh, also realizing that these images of ourselves that we feel will make us happy or these things that we feel like we need to be happy are really these things that we, we have sort of decided in the back of our head that we won't let ourselves be happy until we have those, which isn't really the best strategy in my, in my opinion. Um, and uh, just one more thought on that. Uh, it kind of ties, it, this kind of ties into the same point, but um, it's it sort of just maybe if, if, if no immediate images or thoughts are coming to you on, on that, in that prompt, another prompt to think about could be who your heroes are. Um, or who your idols are. Um, and again, I don't want to be misconstrued here and say that having heroes, having idols is a bad thing, because I don't think that. But um, also, the people who we see as our idols and heroes is another way of um, seeing that image in the head, in our heads, of who we basically will, who we feel like we need to become before we allow ourselves to be at happy and at peace. 
Um, so you can think about it in terms of a, an image in your head or th your thoughts around um, what a happy life is. Or you can think about it in, maybe in terms of who some of your heroes, some of your role models are, because those people who um, you kind of put up on a pedestal as your, your heroes and role models, um, while there can be a lot of advantages to, to having, um, you know, striving for certain qualities, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, it, but it, there's also a side to it where these people that we see and we hold in that light are basically reflections of that image that we have <laughs> and that, that image of ourselves of who we basically feel we need to become in order to be happy. And uh, that can be a very limiting way of thinking about happiness and peace and um, it just puts a lot of barriers up <laughs> that don't really need to be there. Um, so that's all for now. Um, I hope this was helpful in some way. Um, still new to this whole sharing thing um, and again still getting used to hearing my own voice so yeah again hope this was helpful for you and I look forward to uh, sharing more um, about my own journey and um, hope again that it can provide some some insights and maybe provide a little bit more clarity or maybe a at the very least a little bit of validation as to um, your the the path that you're on and that you're walking. Okay, bye.